This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Run the Table podcast powered by Pro Football Network. It is Friday, November 4th, which means we've got a full slate, well, an almost full slate of action here uh, for week nine as the dreaded bipocalypse hits. We've got six teams out on a bye, but who is not out on a bye is a man joining me here today, Mr. Ian Warren himself at NFL Film Study over on Twitter, put in the work here for us as we close out this week to get us a little bit closer to those playoffs and towards the back half of the season. We had an interesting game last night on Thursday Night Football that I don't think me and you thought was going to happen that way. Uh, I know we kind of talked about it a little bit before the show, but we both were on the, uh, obviously, as was everyone else in this country pretty much, was on the side of the Philadelphia Eagles. We were both on the over 14. That ended up not hitting. And I think the biggest surprise for, I know especially for me, I'm curious your opinion, was the Houston Texans without Brandon Cooks, without Nico Collins, their ability to move the ball on the Philadelphia Eagles was honestly pretty impressive. And I think Davis Mills, even coming away in a loss, had a couple picks. Like I thought he actually had a decent day, but really it was the story of that game was just Damian Pierce and just how dominant he looked. And he was he was pulling out like a vintage Marshawn Lynch performance in some cases. But I think the I think the Texans were like, they were a surprise team last night for me. I don't know about you. I was really impressed with Houston. Obviously, that first half, 14-14 at half was it was just a nice showing. It was a really nice showing from Davis Mills. Obviously, he came out with guys that like who generally aren't going to be threats on other teams like these were bottom of the barrel guys they made the best of it he made some spot on throws Damian Pierce was fantastic made the most of Jordan Davis being out like Jordan Davis is that dude for the Eagles I think the next month is gonna be tough for them without him uh, but Damian Pierce was gonna dominate probably no matter what like, either way he was getting to the edge he was breaking tackles like it was just impressive like a lot of draft Twitter was taking victory laps on him and they should obviously Dan Mullen I I don't know what you were missing Dan Mullen I don't know what you're like. I don't know. I don't understand how that happens. <laughs> like every carry by Damian Pierce is another just like jab at Dan Mullen. Like, dude, what were you thinking? Crazy, crazy. He probably still has a job if he rides this dude the way that he should have over the last couple of years. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, hey, Houston benefits and good for them because they need it. I think this franchise is kind of heading in a direction that is uh, not going to be pretty this offseason. I think they're going to need a lot of changes outside of like Jalen Petre, Derek Stingley, obviously Pierce. Outside of these type of guys, there's I think everyone else is gonna be pretty expendable. And obviously the the Brandon Cook situation is yep. crazy, crazy weird. Um I could probably do a whole podcast just on how that was handled. I think the thing that got me about that was actually before the game how Steve Smith was saying how he had talked to Brandon Cook because they were they're 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 good friends, but how Brandon Cooks wants to be a leader and all this stuff. And I think that got taken really poorly on social media by saying you want to be a leader, but you're skipping the game. Yeah, that that I don't think that message came across came across correctly. I don't I don't think so. And and that's tough. That's gonna be one of those things where like players are always going to be viewing it differently than fans. 100% fans are never going to understand like you're getting paid. It doesn't matter to me, you know, and that's a fair it's a fair stance. And from a from a player standpoint, it's just totally different. Mm -hmm. And, you know. He's another player that feels like he's been betrayed by this organization. And, That's a very long list. Um, it is. 
it is. And so, you know, it, it kind of is what it is. Like they've got to make amends. We'll see how that moves forward. Um, the only thing potential saving grace there is that the new uh, waiver process for teams. Like if you put a veteran on waivers after uh, after the trade deadline now, it's every player that goes on waivers, um, which I actually didn't realize until someone sent it to me. It used to be veteran over four years, you were just cut. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to get a new contract somewhere else. Now someone can claim you and actually inherit your inherit your whole contract. So I don't think someone would inherit his $20 million a year contract yeah, over the next two it's years. It, that's kind of, I mean, it, just a but whole, you get production. Again, the whole situation never made sense. You do. He's a good player. Like I love Brandon Cooks. He's a really good player. I, it sucks that he's in this situation. It just he probably shouldn't have signed this extension. And Houston needed to trade him. The way they structured the extension, they needed to trade him. Yeah. This offseason, they're going to probably take like a six, fifth round pick for him. And it is what it is. Like no one wants to pay him twenty four million dollars next year. This will be the first time he hasn't been traded for first round pick, unless they can pull off a worldy. Yeah. Uh, but normally that's kind of always never been the opposite direction with Houston giving out the bad <laughs> trades, not getting them. So we'll see yep. what happens there. I, I like Brandon Cooks, one of my one of the more underrated players you'll ever find in the NFL. Um, just done nothing but perform, and yeah, it's just a just a rough situation all around. But like I said, shout out to Houston Texans for the way they performed last night. Played well. Did they take the L? Yeah, but I think there were some positive signs that we saw last night. And it was a closer game than many of us expected, and uh, it certainly I felt that in my bankroll last night. Hockey was the only thing that saved me after a what we had last night, but hopefully we can have a little bit of a turnaround this week as we kind of dive in here into our start sits for week nine for all you guys still out there fighting through and grinding that uh, back half of the fantasy football regular season where wins are more important than ever. So with that said, let's take a look at some of our start sit recommendations for week nine. And obviously we will have plenty more that'll be coming out in articles. It'll be out on Twitter. Also over in the PFN discord, you can find more of that as well, but we'll leave things off here in with one of your guys this week. You got Jacoby Myers sitting here as a start for fans football in week one. I don't, I don't think that's a massive surprise because of how, how important he's been just continues to be just so massively underrated. So talk to me a little bit about Jacoby Myers, uh, this week against the Indianapolis Colts in a rivalry that is uh, definitely no longer has the the spice to it that it once did. Yeah, Myers is interesting. He's just going under the radar. I think people look at this uh, Patriot situation for good reason. Quarterback on you know uncertainty, the weird offensive coordinator situation, like just so many things, and they're overlooking Jacoby Myers. But Myers is about to be the best free agent receiver on the market this offseason. I think there's a realistic chance. It's him or Juju, one of the yep. two. Yep, him or Juju. I think there's a realistic chance that Myers actually hits the unrestricted market and he should cash in really nicely. He's been very consistent this year. He's got three touchdowns in the last four weeks, though. 60 plus yards um, in each of those games in that span. Uh, it's three or four games, but again, he, he's been a touchdown threat, so he can kind of make up for whenever he doesn't produce a lot of yards. The Colts are the number one defense or number two defense uh, against receivers in the NFL. However, I think some of that's about quality of opponents. And I'm not saying that the Patriots are great, mm-hmm. but some of that's just volume. They don't give up. They don't see a lot of volume. Teams are going down the middle. Teams are running the ball. It's teams like Houston, so they're not going to run. That can be throwing the ball a lot. Tennessee, they're not going to throw the ball a lot. I think that changes a little bit this week. Yes, New England is prone to running the ball, but they ma- they are certainly going to maximize Myers as often as they can because amongst that crowded group, he's really the go-to guy. Yeah, for me, if you're looking at anyone right there, Jacoby Myers is the only player that I can I can feel comfortable starting at the wide receiver position for the for the New England Patriots. And really, it's it's him and just Ramondre Stevenson. That's pretty much the only two guys that I have any interest in. I think Myers, even if he doesn't stay with New England in this offseason, which I doubt he will, I think is going to be a very popular name on the on the open market. That's going to be a guy we're probably going to be underlooking once again. 
he's kind of turning out almost. He, he has that trajectory going where he could be like the next like Jarvis Landry, that one player who always outperforms expectations, no matter what they're set at, and we never end up adjusting uh, moving forward. So we'll see what happens there. But I do love Joey Myers this week. Uh, player who's going to be a, star, a start for me, and someone who actually got a new player in his backfield. That's going to be Raheem Mostert of the Miami Dolphins, and. For me, it's, I think Jeff Wilson is going to be a very interesting addition to this backfield moving forward as Mike McDaniel recreates like San Francisco East. Uh, but Mostert, he's owned this backfield uh, with at least 62% of the snaps in every week since week four while averaging 17.2 touches and 85.4 yards per game as the RB19 in fantasy for me, this is kind of a smash matchup against the Chicago Bears, and I think we're going to be looking at this this team just in general, uh, this matchup, because I'm not entirely sure how they're going to be able to stop this offense. Chicago is 31st in rushing yards per game, 25th in EPA per rush. They're also allowing the fourth most fancy points per game to opposing running backs. Jeff Wilson is going to be active, but um, I'm not entirely sure how much of an impact he's going to make in his first week. So I will be riding with Raheem Mostert who has 65 or more scrimmage yards in each of his last of each of his four road games so far this year. Fire him up this week as an RB three. You got another running back on here. You kind of looking at too. And it's someone who we thought were, I think the opinion on this guy has changed more than anyone else. It's Antonio Gibson taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Like I said, we kind of left him for dead when we saw what Brian Robinson was doing. And all of a sudden, Antonio Gibson, he's starting to look like still he's a, he's a, a fantasy asset, isn't he? He is. He's gone from buy to sell to buy to not really sure to... Complete roller coaster. <laughs> it's it's pretty nuts, but I'm, I'm buying him. I'm buying him right now. I think he is a good value for fantasy managers. If you've got him, if you've reacquired him, or if you've acquired him, or if you've kept him the whole time. I like him in this matchup, and a lot of that is red zone and receiving. He's just getting those valuable touches. Whenever he doesn't get a lot of rushing yards, he is making the best of things with his hands. Um, two straight games uh, with at least 15 fantasy points. I mean, you could do a lot worse. With this season where Jonathan yes. Taylor's hurt, you know, we know how many dudes have been missing time or been inconsistent. I'm looking at him. I think Minnesota, they're a good team. But they're not a dominant team. We saw that even against Arizona last week. You know, Benjamin was finding some good holes. I just think that he could be a solid player. Like, I don't want to sell his upside that much, but he does bring the ability to overcome his limitations with either receiving or touchdowns. Yep. Like him a lot this week. Uh, one player for me, and it's actually, we got a little bit of news earlier today that Chuba Hubbard is out, which means it is 100% full sale Donta Foreman smash week against the Cincinnati Bengals. Rushed for 118 yards and a career-high three touchdowns in Week 8, which was his fifth career game with 100 yards as he pulled off his best Derrick Henry impression you could have imagined. Now only one of three running backs, including Josh Jacobs and Tony Pollard, who have rushed for 315 yards or more and three rushing touchdowns in a single game this season. He's looking to make it now three in a row with 115 yards plus and Quite frankly, I don't think it's going to be honestly that close on how much they're going to do. I don't think he's going to have the the career-high game that he had last week, but the Bengals over the last four weeks are 30th in rushing yards per game, 28th in EPA per rush, and 31st in explosive run rate. We saw Foreman play well last year when he was literally filling in for Derrick Henry, and now he's got this offense just moving right now. 73% of the rushing attempts last week. They actually had a fairly high 
55.3% route run rate out of the backfield. Not what we're going to be expecting his main value to come from, but Donta Foreman is an absolute must start. Look, call it high-end RB2 at worst right now because he's looking like someone who's who's pretty special after uh, RB17 and RB5 finishes over his last two games. Another name for you, you've got listed here, and this might be the number one option for the Los Angeles Chargers this week in Josh Palmer. What are your expectations for Josh Palmer this week? This has to be it, man. <laughs> I mean, we've seen some decent weeks uh, from Josh Palmer. Like, I, I definitely look back at like his week three against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Six catches, 99 yards. Yeah. Week two, even caught a touchdown. Like, okay, cool. Week six, a little bit, you know, 12. I love 12 targets, nine receptions. Love those. 57 yards. Okay. You know, we could do a little bit better on that. Obviously the concussion mm -hmm. is going to be the talking point. I think it really robbed him of what could have been a special week in week seven. Instead, we see uh, Justin Herbert throw into XFL type of guys. No offense to them. Like I, I wish I was in their shape. I wish I had their talent and like, they're super amazing, but they're also like XFL guys compared to what we're used to seeing for him in this offense. So for Palmer, this is it, man. Like this is your breakout opportunity. This is the worst defense in the league against wide receivers. A.J. Terrell is probably going to be sidelined with a hamstring injury again. Um, obviously, we've got Casey Hayward out. No pass rush to speak of whatsoever. This is the game, man. So I'm looking at Josh Palmer. This is his big breakout. I'm looking for at least 75 yards and a touchdown here. Um, you know, a touchdown might be a little ambitious, but this needs to be the game where he gets volume and then hopefully the explosive play as well. I, I hope so. Like I said, this, this has to be a week for him. Um, I think it's got to be one of those. I think the other guy who we're thinking it's got to be a good week for him, DJ Moore, who just had one of his best games. Honestly, it was his best game of the season last week. And it's, he was someone who I think fans and managers were starting to get to the point of questioning, hey, is this actually a starter anymore? Because given the the issues that we've seen in, in Carolina, they have so many question marks at quarterback, don't really know what's going on. Even with the average quarterback play, DJ Moore finally got that explosive game that we needed. He's now finished as a wide receiver nine and wide receiver five. And I think he's really just flourishing with PJ Walker now under center. Something that I don't think any of us really saw coming. Uh, commanded a 36.5% target share and over 50% of the air yards um, and 110.5 receiving yards over the last two games. Kind of love his matchup against probably Cam Taylor Britt or Trey Flowers. Uh, I'll be all in on DJ Moore. I think he's a must start for me this week. And also, we got the news that Jonathan Taylor will miss week nine as just the 101. It sucks. I almost don't even want the 101 anymore because uh, we're looking at it, it. It's been a long time. Um, we're going back. I mean, talking about since Todd Gurley days where the 101 really just finally paid off. And, and uh, Jonathan Taylor is now going to continue the streak of a running back who finished as the number one in a previous year, not repeating. We have not seen a repeat RB1 finish since Priest Holmes in 2002 and 2003 as Jonathan Taylor will miss another game with an ankle injury. I think you got to now fire up Deion Jackson. I understand they brought in Zach Moss. Was that, hey, we want Zach Moss? Or how much is that, hey, you want Zach Moss or we're not making this trade happen from the Buffalo Bill acquiring Naheem Hines? So I think... Zach, uh, Deion Jackson is going to be a must start for me this week against the Wingham Patriots, who have been abysmal against the run. I want to put in that RB2 kind of range for me this week. Um, don't love the offense, it's lacking a little bit of explosiveness right now for sure. Uh, with Sam Ellinger under center, but I'll be starting Deion Jackson. However, some other plays we might not be starting this week, 
Uh, we'll kind of take on some of these guys to kind of leave on your bench, which this is going to be very, very, very lineup dependent. The reason I say that, we've got six teams on a bye. There are some players this week who you might not want to start that you will be forced to place into your lineups. It is what it is. There's some players who you just can't afford to drop. So you'll have to kind of make do with what you have. And I think one player, it's the first guy you got highlighted on here, Ian. It's one that I think managers will most likely have to play unless you have a, you manage to avoid the the six different teams on a bye. And that's going to be Leonard Fournette, who's going to be taking on the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, it, it sucks that we're at this place because he was kind of our guy as a, a an expert panel this offseason. Like you, you target him in round two. And he's kind of a priority guy because of his his usage last year. Yep. Uh, before Net just hasn't been that guy this year, and it, it, a lot of it's not been on him. I don't think it really any of it's been on Tampa him. Bay. Just has not been that guy this nope. year. Yep, biggest biggest disappointment in the league for me. Yeah, easily. Um, you know, I expected a heavier run dose. Yep. Obviously, injuries had a lot to do with that. But forty three combined rushing yards over the last two weeks, and going up against a Rams defense that's not going to suddenly heal it. You know, I, I think there's room for improvement. Certainly, um, I do think that there will be uh, maybe a better cohesiveness to this offense because they know what time it is. Like this is really do or die for them um, as they continue to fall back yeah. in that division. So I, I'm expecting them to continuing to try to run the ball, which is great. We're going to touch on that later when we come to our, our underdog picks, but um, I just don't see Lenny having that big upside this week. Uh, you're hoping for a TD. You might be happy this week with 15 rushes for 50 yards, but if you get that TD rushing or receiving, Yep. Then it was worth it, but I, I can't go into this. If you have any other decent option at running back for your two spots, um, I, I doubt that you've got a third in that flex, a third running back for that flex spot over him. But if you do, I would be sitting Lenny this week if you can yeah. help it. It's it's one of those like you just don't like that entire just scenario right now happening in Tampa Bay. And it's, honestly, I'm just going to keep it on this exact same field and just go to the other team. Darrell Henderson for me, uh, he's going to be a start. He's a, he's a sit for me this week. Uh, played on just forty three percent of the snaps last week, and although it wasn't the it wasn't the Ronnie Rivers show like some people want to make it out to be, and I think there was some some general concern that Ronnie Rivers was going to make a bit of an impact. Who did finish the game with six touches and thirty yards? It's Henderson is still going to be the number one on this team, but there's just not enough volume right now to go around on an offense that just doesn't really like. They're just like you talk about with Tampa Bay. They're just the cohesion just isn't there. Last week Henderson did turn his. Uh, four carries and two targets into 30 yards and five fantasy points is now finished with single digit fantasy points and now four of his last five. And like I said, although rivers isn't not someone I'm calling like a fantasy relevant player right now, it's just enough to where like they're just eating away at each other's volume. You got Malcolm Brown in here as well involved in this offense. And it's not a, it's not a team that's consistently getting into the red zone. Like they always have. There's issues on this offense for me. Like, Darrell Henderson is just pretty much no longer startable. Like even on teams on a six on with six teams on a bye, I really don't want anything to do against this team. And at some point, like if Tampa Bay does figure it out, I think the first part that does is going to be that run defense. You so anyone that has Vita Vea on their defensive front is going to be hard to run against. And they're twenty fourth in rushing yards per game, twenty first in EPA, eighteenth in explosive rate. So I think it's I think they can hold down Darrell Henderson, someone who I'm probably going to be fading this week, and I'd be sitting if at all possible. One name you've got to listen on here, and it's someone who was I was championing in this entire offseason. I was leading this train someone I've loved since he was at UCF. But Gabe Davis taking on the New York Jets. You've got him as a sit this week. Talking about Gabe Davis and why you where you're saying not to play him this week because I'm 
I'm gonna have a hard time not doing it, but I'm also that hype boy. I am what I am. Yeah, man, I'm 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 tired of it. I'm tired of the Gabe Davis train. And I knew what I would expect this year. Like I go into his experience saying, Yeah, you know, he's great. Like I, I love him as the top variance play. I still feel that way. He's probably the top variance receiver in the in the league. Um, but man, I, I don't think this is the week. He's playing against Sauce Gardner. Sauce has been really awesome this year. Like he's been worth the hype. Um, he's been fantastic. DJ Reed on the other side, some good safety play from the Jets. This is a good defense from the Jets. I, I just think coming off 35 yards against Green Bay, I think Buffalo, um, there's always a chance, right? But the question is, is, is he your best chance to score this week? And I don't think that he is. I just think it's a tough matchup. They've got long, lanky corners. They've got active defensive backs. Good pass rush that can get after uh, Josh Allen a little bit. Um, Josh Allen's obviously been favoring Stephon Diggs a little bit more this year, kind of back to the what it was two years ago, which is good. That's a smart thing. Yep. Um, I, I just don't love Davis's matchup in this one. You know, I think he'll have those explosive games. I don't think you should get rid of him. I don't think you should be forcing anything there. He's not going to be sitting on your bench for long, but I just think this is the week where you want to sit him. I, I would be more surprised if he broke out than if he did. Do you? So you do think that Sauce ends up covering Gabe? Because my my thing is like, why wouldn't he just take on Stephon Diggs? Take on the number one. Yeah, you would think that. I mean, but we don't see these guys travel too often. Um, I'd have to look up the numbers, but I don't think Sauce is is off is usually um, traveling with their with their top receiver. We just don't really see that across the league too often anymore. He's nearly ninety percent of his snaps with the left side alignment. Yeah. Yeah, and that that sounds right. He doesn't follow, and a lot of that is DJ Reed. DJ Reed is a completely different corner when he moves to the opposite side of the field. His splits with Seattle were insane. Like he was a top five corner at one cornerback spot. Whenever whenever they switched him to the other spot, he was literally benched. (laughs) So do you have to work? You know, it's not like a sauce thing. Some of it is probably schematic, but then some of it is you just have to play to the strengths of your personnel. Um, Davis could certainly do it, especially if he's one on one against Reed. But Reed is fast. But, you know, you can go both ways on this one. You're kind of like flipping a coin. I'm flipping the coin, and I'm thinking it's going to be tails. I mean, my thing about this, too, is, honestly, we're talking about which side Sauce is going to line up. But, hey, if if we know Sauce is going to line up on 90% of his snaps on one side, if I'm if I'm Sean McDermott, okay, hey, Gabe Davis, you're going on the left side. That means I'm freeing up Stephon Diggs against their number two. Yeah. So you can use that against him at the same time and then force at that point Sauce, hey, do you want to travel? Are you going to follow him? How do you want to do, Are you going to do a full shadow? Or he's going to shut down the one side of the field, which I do think at that point certainly will hurt Gabe Davis. Interesting matchup. I totally understand the logic. Damn it, I still want Gabe Davis to be good. <laughs> and it's I can I can sit here and make tons of excuses. I mean, with the the Bills getting ahead in games and taking him out and things like that, and only playing a half and target share ends up looking worse than it is. But it is what it is. And it's it might just be being a little bit salty that just hasn't been the year that it has. But I think it's just been the case of fantasy just overall this year of just not having the season that we wanted them to have. And I think no one personifies that even more than Drake London of the Atlanta Falcons, someone who was my wide receiver one in this class, guy that a lot of people loved. And quite frankly, for me, it was like everyone was saying, he's just a deep threat. No, he's not. He can't get separation. Yes, he can. It's just you're not seeing it right now because Arthur Smith just wants to run an archaic offense, and I want to establish the run as much as possible. And that's why Luna's only averaged tw- uh, 2.8 receptions and 26.4 yards with no touchdowns over the last five weeks as the Falcons remain one of the most run-heaviest teams in the NFL. And I think that could go back to even more form with the potential return of Cordero Patterson, who was designated for return off the IR, IR and we could see coming back this week. Drake London has been fantastic against uh, zone 
but struggled against man. I think part of that was also coming down to the play of Marcus Mariota is not necessarily a, a separation issue for Drake London. But for some reason, they just will not throw the dude the ball despite the size, despite the draft capital. Hasn't finished higher than the wide receiver 49 or with more than 40 yards receiving since week three. I just, I can't do it. I will be sitting Drake London uh, as much as it pains me to do so this week. We'll have a couple of the names coming out uh, on all of our articles, so stick tuned to some of those things with more start sits. But like I said, it's it's one of those weeks. It's so it's so lineup dependent than to make any like just straight hard claims. So make sure to get in there on Sunday morning as we'll be hosting our uh, our weekly starts to help you guys with your lineups uh, beforehand. But before we jump go any further, I want to talk to you guys about our friends over at Pickett. Are you tired of tracking your bets out on messy spreadsheets? Well, Pickett is the best bet tracking app on the market and they make it quick and easy to track all of your bets all of your bets across any sports book that you have. You can track all of your bets, shop all the best lines and the props and sweat them out with a community of avid sports fans just like yourself. All you got to do is sign up today using promo code PFN365 and you can win up to $100 for free. Pickett itself is 100% free to join and to you, so what are you all waiting for? Remember, that is promo code PFN365 to get up to $100 just for signing up. I know, Ian, you were diving into a lot of the trends overall picks. Kind of talk to me about some of your, your initial takeaways as we know we'll be, well, there will be some some further line changes as we kind of move now towards kickoff. But what, what's the community over at Pickett talking to you about for some of these games we got coming up? Yeah, so I tried to pick out some of the more like interesting ones as far as like the splits between like what the public's doing and how they see these games kind of shaking out. It's really interesting because we have a lot of close lines this week. And so looking at the Chargers Falcons, this was a really confounding game to me. Like on one hand, I think the Falcons could win this one. Uh, on the other hand, the Chargers are the better team. So it's it was kind of fun 100%. to see this. 83% of the money on 71% of the bets are on the Chargers. So people are really putting a lot of money on the Chargers to win outright. 63% of the money is actually on the Falcons to cover the three points. So we're looking at they have been the covering machine this year. They have been, and and we always see kind of fairly bad teams um, do this because expectations are lower for them. But they have a formula to win, and they have a formula to stay close. I, I do like this one. I'm not playing this one uh, because I'm not sure about it. I do think the margin of error there is very small. Um, but that was one of my top games that was of interest. Um, another one was Miami and Chicago. That's one game I wish they would give us the hook. Yeah, but it's sitting at plus three. They're not going to give us that extra. It's, I think it's worth buying. Especially with Atlanta. If you could buy the extra half, I get it. Yeah, Yeah. I I think that's the play. I just feel more comfortable there. It may not be worth it, but uh, it's tough whenever you you have a road team, too. You've got Los Angeles coming to the East Coast. It's always a little bit tougher, too. Um, Looking at Miami-Chicago, too, this is one I don't love the line here. I could easily see Miami winning this one comfortably. I could easily see Chicago just dominating the run game. Uh, and, and drying this clock out as best they can. But I am agreeing with a lot of the betters here. 91% of the money is saying Miami wins, 87% of the bets. So everyone's kind of flush on that one. 65% of the money yep. is on Miami to cover the four, four and a half points, whatever you're finding. Um, I lean towards that. That would be my lean of a play. I'm not going to officially play that one. I think Miami is very, very good. I said it on Twitter this week. Tua Tungvaloa is my midway point MVP um, of this season. Not mm-hmm. saying he's the best player in the league. I just think he's been the most valuable. He's been fantastic this year. Um, I think they do win this game, but I think Chicago can keep it close. The other one, Rams Bucks. I, I don't want to play the line. I sure don't want to play the line. I'm staying away on that one, yeah. But it is fascinating to see this. 65% of the money is on the Bucks to win. 
but that's only on 54 or I'm sorry, but only 54% of the money is on for them to cover. So 69% mm. of the bets are on the bucks to cover. So that means that the sharps are hammering the Rams to cover. So we got a bucks win Rams cover, follow the money on that one. It kind of split in hairs. Like we talked about with the chargers and Falcons. That's I like the under on that one, 42 and a half. Um, that one's pretty much split. And and oftentimes the totals are usually closer to being split. It's not as definitive as the spreads or the money line. Um, but I like the under yep. on that game because this one's a tough to get a read on. I think they're two bad teams that are playing under their expectations that could be much better than what they are in, in three weeks from now, and they both need a win. So I'm not too sure on what to expect from that one. And you've also got a banged up Cooper Cup. Yeah. Who is literally like the Los Angeles Rams are the Los Angeles Cooper Cups. Yep. Like I get the Van Jefferson's coming back. You've got you've got him. You've got Allen Robinson. But I mean, if if you don't have him at full go, that's gonna be hard for him to keep up, I would think. I will say too, if on the gonna have the Rams, they're plus three right now and minus one eighteen. If you want to take that extra half a point, I'm curious what your thoughts on this one is. You can go plus three and a half, and it's still only minus 136. I think it's worth so that, it. That feels like a decent Yeah, risk. I mean, I think it's worth it. It's peace of mind. Some of it's just peace of mind. You'd rather win at plus three and a half than lose it or push at plus three, right? Like, that's the way yeah. I try to look at yeah. it is like, yes, I might lose some value just being paranoid. I give a little bit back to the books, but like, I still win. So that's all that matters. That all that matters is what that bankroll looks like in the, the day. We don't want to be a deposit boy on a Monday need to put some extra money into our bank accounts. Speaking of, if you guys want to win a free $150 this NFL offseason, well, as a new user over on Barstool Sportsbook, you can bet $20 and win $150 in games this weekend. If either quarterback in the game you bet on completes a pass, completes one or more passes, just head over to ProVableNetwork.com to check out the latest betting promos today to claim this offer before it is gone. Now, we kind of just did a little bit of a preview of what you, some of the stuff you saw over on Pickett. So let's go ahead and dive into what some of your favorite bets are this weekend. We're going to kick things off with the Minnesota Vikings taking on the Washington Commanders, who continuously are in the headlines for all the wrong reasons. Which way are you looking at this one so far? Just kind of watching these teams very closely last week. I think Minnesota is being undervalued a little bit here. I know they're the road team. I like the Vikings minus three on this one. Washington, they played well. We hit it right with them last week. Um, but moving forward, Vikings running game has been super dominant. Um, I like the way they're getting Justin Jefferson more involved. He's been having a little bit better success lately. I just don't really see um, the upside here with Washington. I don't think that they have it. I think that their floor might have been raised with Carson Wentz out, but I think that their ceiling also mm -hmm. considerably drops. I'm going to go Vikings on the road here. They're just going to keep rolling. They're going to go 7-1. I, I would love to see that. And also, they got better. They added TJ Hawkinson. I don't know what his, his impact is going to be in his first game in there, but that's always going to be a red zone threat, which is a... It was also a much-needed move uh, because of the the loss of Irv Smith, who just just hasn't developed in the player we thought he was going to be. And we can keep sitting here making excuses about him. He got when he got outplayed by like by Tyler Conklin in that year right after um, Kyle Rudolph retired. It just hasn't been the been the same team. But we have the Carolina Panthers taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Seven and a half point favorites for the Bengals. Which way are you looking on this one, my man? This was a relatively easy one. This is Panther seven and a half. You talked about it earlier. DJ Moore's an autoplay. PJ Walker's been really good this season uh, when given the chance compared to what this team had. And that's all they needed. They just needed a mediocre quarterback or a little bit of playmaking from that quarterback spot. And everything else kind of falls into place. The defense doesn't struggle as much. The offense has a little bit more rhythm. Deontay Foreman 
is out here looking like Derrick Henry Jr. Bo Jackson. My gosh. Yeah. I mean, this is unbelievable. It's like he just... Who would have thought you'd get better by trading away Christian McCaffrey? <laughs> right? You upgraded, and you got <laughs> all those picks. So, you know, we say it in jest, but, I mean, Foreman's been really, yeah. really impressive. I think this Carolina team is is yep. certainly a touchdown within a touchdown uh, strike of the Bengals, who are without, obviously, Jamar Chase, uh, DJ Reader, mm-hmm. um, obviously, Chudobia Wuzi last week, too. That's a massive loss. Do not overlook that loss for this Bengals team. Um, surprised they didn't make a move at corner, considering that. So I'm going to look at 7.5 here for the Panthers. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. And really, a lot of that, too, is just the loss of Jamar Chase proved to be a massive, massive deal. It's no surprise. Like, granted, like, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd are fantastic. Hayden Hurst has been good. Joe uh, Joe Mixon's been great on volume, but when they don't have that as much explosiveness in this offense, you give me seven and a half. That's a lot of points in the NFL, especially for a game that should be much closer than a seven and a half point game. I think another game that's looking to be a lot closer, which is exactly what the the spread has it at, is the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Jacksonville is coming off of their other appearance over there in London across the pond to take on Las Vegas. Raiders are coming to this game as a one and a half point favorite, Ian. So which way are you looking at on this game? This is a tough one to play. I'm not going to lie. These are two teams trending in the wrong direction. I was all aboard the Raiders until they completely forgot to show up last week. I, I literally think they forgot to play. <sighs> yeah. Like, I, I think they had the calendar. That was such a disappointing game. Oh, my God. Like, why were you not giving feeding the ball to Josh Jacobs more? I have no idea. Unbelievable. I'm going to go with ja- – I'm still going to go with the Raiders, though. They got minus one and a half. I think Jacksonville is just one of those teams that are just disjointed. They they keep losing close games. They've lost like five in a row at this point. The Raiders, I think they get back. I think they're closer to getting on track than the Jacksonville Jaguars are to closer to completely figuring it out. I guess that's the best way to say it. Um, look for this to be a run heavy game for both teams. Both running backs should have a lot of product production, but I still like the Raiders. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I'm with the Raiders on this one as well. I think this, this is almost like a get right game for them. They kind of need it. Derek Carr has been playing decent football, but I think with him and what's going on with him and Devontae Adams really working out well. I wish they were be able to get Hunter Renfro involved more in this offense. We should hopefully see Darren Waller back out there as well, too, kind of playing his his normal role. Like I said, I'm, I'm with you. I think this is more of just the the Raiders being closer to being a, a decent team. Um, obviously, they're nowhere near the expectations that we had for them. And it's I think Jacksonville like, Jacksonville's getting better. But I think Trevor Lawrence is taking a little bit of a step back over his last couple of weeks. But if they get the keep get the ball back into Christian Kirk's hands, hopefully take a couple more shots of Marvin Jones and Zay Jones, and really just that the continue um, continue ability of Travis Etienne shining through. I think they're they're looking better. I definitely I'm with you on this one. I I like the minus one and a half if I play on this one. But this might be one where I'm probably not going to take a game side. I'm probably looking more just on the player pop side of things uh, more than likely. But we do have a really interesting one here as well, too. And you're kind of doing the same thing. You're not really necessarily looking at one of the two sides. Kind of look at the game total here before the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Sitting here at 49 and a half. So you're taking, are you going to over or the under on the 49 and a half? I think I have to go the over here. We've seen both these defenses just be absolutely atrocities uh, at certain points in the season. And I'm hoping for it, man. We've been having so many unders this season. We deserve one of these 65-point combined games. Heck, let's go up to 69 really points and just make it a really nice outcome. I, I just think that with both quarterbacks, you see Kyler Murray. Hopefully he's 
already got a couple prestiges into Call of Duty. Hopefully, he's feeling good about himself. He's got his nice little sets. He's already got the snipers applied to him, guaranteed. Already. He's he's rocking the gold. He's got the diamond. He's got everything on. He's got all the nice skins on everything. Uh, and hopefully, he can translate that to the field. He did look better last week with DeAndre Hopkins just continuing to just destroy defenses. I want to see DeAndre Hopkins and DK Metcalf just have a monster face-off. Just both of them doing ridiculous crazy catches that's that's my rooting outcome for this game and that just means an over yeah that's, that's all that matters like i said we want some overs at this point because damn it we deserve it uh although i don't think we're going to see it in this one here on uh between the indianapolis colts and the new england patriots colts come into this point as five and a half point dogs to the patriots i know they haven't been playing great but Colts, is this thing like is get, they're giving too much credit to the New England Patriots? I think so a little bit. Yeah, I, I think Sam Ellinger, what he did last week was nothing special, but it showed a coaching staff that was devoted to getting him into successful situations. I know Jonathan Taylor's out. I think this line at five and a half is sort of based off of that. I'm not going to overvalue Jonathan Taylor. I love Jonathan Taylor. He wasn't helping this Colts team win. I think Deion Jackson's going to be just fine in relief of him. Uh, not saying that it's replaceable long term. But I think for this week, it's the it's the offensive line. It, exactly. It's the offensive line. It's not Jonathan Taylor. Exactly. He did not forget how to run the ball. <laughs> yeah. So, suddenly the mo- one of the most productive players of all time in college just forgot how to run the ball. Um, I, I just don't. No. I'm with you. I don't think that's it. I like the five and a half. I think this is more of like a three, three and a half, four point game. And honestly, I'd be comfortable taking it down to that four, four and a half if you even want to buy it down a little bit. This is one of those games though, that people are really heavy on the uh, on New England. I know just checking on the different sites themselves. You're looking at nearly 70% or more on New England on both sides. I'm just I'm with you. I, I'm very much more on just I don't think it's gonna be that that wide of a spread on this game. I think another one too, you're not expecting a, a ton of spreads. One you kind of leaned you talked about a little bit earlier between the Rams and the Bucks, and you alluded to in that game already that you were looking at the under 42 and a half. So I think that's that's an easy one to look at there. I think one's a little that's a little more curious, and I think it's I can see this going one of two ways. And it's almost has the the same script as last night that we saw on Thursday night. Miami versus Chicago, really high-powered team versus one. You're not entirely sure how they're going to stop the other side. Sitting at 45 and a half, which way are you looking on this one with the Dolphins looking just like world beaters right now and also getting better? They do. Yeah, I kind of mentioned it earlier. Part of the reason that this scares me is I could see Chicago just running this ball and just continuing to chew that clock and try to negate those Dolphins pass rushers as best they can. Obviously, Bradley Chubb, congratulations on uh, breaking the bank on that one. My goodness. Um, I think you got to keep the good for him. Just yeah, a, one of the great dudes for sure in the league. And every everyone in Denver, when they were saying like goodbye or whatever, like in the meeting and all this stuff, none of them even mentioned what he did on the field. Everyone was mentioning just how good of a person in the community and just how good of a man he was. And I'm, Miami is getting just one of the good guys in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, you just love to see it. So hopefully he can have a big impact on Miami. I love that they're going all in. Uh, but I'm looking at the under here. Under 45 and a half. I think this is going to be not necessarily Miami struggles. It's just going to be less possessions, fewer possessions, less big plays. Um, good games for everybody. I don't think this changes Tyreek Hills or Jalen Waddle's production or even to his production. Chicago's just done well in controlling these games and kind of keeping themselves into it in, in you know up until the last couple of possessions. I think I think that's going to be a really interesting. Game. I think it's I think honestly this is the week. I think there's a ton of really interesting games. I think the only thing that's disappointed me is just the afternoon slate. I hate how we only have two 4 p.m. games. That just never ceases to amaze me how the NFL won't just flex down some games from the 1 p.m. into the and into the 4 p.m. slate to give us something to hold us over until the Monday night games. But it is what it is. 
But while we're here, I want to talk to you guys over about Underdog Fantasy. I want to tell you about our easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season, and it is Underdog Fantasy and their pick'em game. Just look for your favorite or least favorite player stats and pick whether they'll end up with a higher or lower number in that week's game, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile app. Just pick between two and five players for your pick and entry, get them all right, and you can take home some cold, hard cash. It is super simple to get started. Just head over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Sign up with promo code PFN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Remember, that is Underdog Fantasy promo code PFN, and you can get in on the action today. And we're going to get, probably run through these things here pretty quickly as we are running long today. It's a jam-packed show here on Friday, as they always are. But I'm going to lead you off here with Josh Allen, who has kind of been everything we always have expected him to be. But I think you're taking an interesting angle on this one over on Underdog. I, I am, and I'm uh, kind of going to go with the, the quarterback heavy slate here. Josh Allen, lower than .5 interceptions against the Jets. I think it'll be a good week for the Bills offense. Obviously, we talked about Gabe Davis, but I just don't think it's going to be a mistake-filled one. I think Allen's playing a little bit more in control. I think he's getting more control of the offense. He's more comfortable with his playmakers. Obviously, they added Naheem Hines. I think that's a sign. Buffalo saying, hey, man, just dump the ball off. Get, get these great playmakers the ball in space. Let them do their thing. I think he responds well to that with a no interception week. Yeah, I wonder how long it's going to take for him to get an uh, individual head, head handshake with uh, Naeem Mines. I'm sure you guys all saw the video of Josh Allen has a handshake for each individual person and just looks swaggy as hell while he's doing it, too. It's everything you'll love to see. Uh, I'm going to take a look at one of the running backs here and something we kind of talked about earlier with Aaron Jones, the Green Bay Packers. It's I think they've got to figure something out. I think we did see a little bit of a sign of things, hopefully moving in the right direction. I'd love to lean on his rushing upside in a what's a fantastic matchup. We can always throw A.J. Dillon back there as well and kind of do the same thing. It kind of worries me a little bit. I'm actually going to be taking the higher on the 30.5 receiving yards, kind of where I think he can probably make the most of an impact in this game especially with some other injuries around him. I think that's kind of where the matchup kind of leads me to. I'll be taking the higher on Aaron Jones, 30.5 receiving yards. Now you went to a positive side with a quarterback. Now we're looking at someone else who is not having the season many have also wanted. That's going to be Zach Wilson of the New York Jets coming in at 204.5 passing yards. Are you going higher or lower on Zach Wilson this week? I'm, I'm actually, this number is, is so high. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that we're seeing this higher than even like, 175 because Wilson is prone to throwing <laughs> to like 150 to 175 yards. I mean, that's where he's at for the season. And this is a great, great defense. I don't want to pile on the kid. I think, you know, they need to give him a couple years if they want him to work out. That's always been my stance on him. I'm looking at the lower 204.5. Um, dude, take what's available. That's how you, that's how you do that. Well, this week, you got to take those quick reads, trust your receivers, trust your star playmakers, brother. You can do it. If you don't, they're going to run you out of New York sooner than later. So yeah, I'm going to go lower here. But he's also being handicapped by his own team's just inability to get over themselves because yeah. they're not playing Elijah Moore. Yeah. Like one of your most talented players on your roster is literally not out there on the field right now, but you're expecting your quarterback to put up world-beating performances. That's just that's just not happening around. It's not, not feasible. Um, with the touchdowns kind of coming at a bit of a premium this year, kickers have been kind of profitable. And I'm actually going to take a look at another one here in the game that we were both talking should be closer than what they're saying, much closer, much more uh, closer than the seven and a half between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Carolina Panthers. I'm going to take Evan McPherson to go higher than 1.5 field goals. He's got the leg hit for range from about anywhere. 
I think uh, Cincinnati should be able to move the ball, even if they're not scoring. So give me Evan McPherson to go higher than 1.5. And I think another one that I w- we were kind of talking about earlier with Leonard Fournette, you've got him as a sit. I think it's really interesting here over on uh, on Underdog. They've got him at 48 and a half rushing yards, which is just insanely low for someone who's seen be so productive over the last two years. I really want to take um, the higher on uh, Leonard Fournette. So we'll kind of see what happens to this. But I know you've got a couple more picks. I'll let you kind of run through those real quick. Going to hit a couple uh, quarterback props. Justin Herbert higher than 281.5 against that Falcons defense that's so weak that we talked about earlier. And we got to go back to P.J. Walker. Higher than 198.5 passing yards. Love that. Love that so much. I think it's just too good of a matchup he's been playing, making. And then I got to go back to the well with Dalvin Cook. Dalvin's been playing really impressively. Great job by Minnesota. Continue to get these outside zones, um, get these wide angle runs, getting him open in space. Higher than 77 and a half rushing yards. So almost towards that place where I don't want to play him, but I st- still think he can hit that 8,500 type, uh, 100 yard type performance. Yeah, it's one of those guys. He's just too good. So you got to take a shot on him. Uh, someone else for me I'm taking a look at over here uh, as well, looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars with Christian Kirk. I think receiving yards is really close, but I will be taking the higher on his receptions. I'm banking on the volume, not so much the efficiency at 4.5 receptions. Uh, looking at Miami in a game that I'm not entirely sure why we're still getting the the numbers that we are getting. Jalen Waddle continuously seems to be undervalued, coming in at 5.5 receptions. And also 70.5 yards. Tyreek Hill's closing in at at uh, seven receptions and 87.5 receiving yards. I like to take a little bit more of the value on Jalen Waddle. I will be taking. I will take the higher on either of those. You've got to mix them up. You can't take two of individual player in a single uh, in a single play. So we'll have to kind of split things up. But I have no issue with that. Someone else I don't have an issue with is DJ Moore. Someone we talked about. You can get him right now at 40.5 receiving yards. We've got him as a must-start in fantasy. So I'll be also doing the same thing over on underdog pickums and taking DJ Moore to have a decent day and go higher than 40.5 receiving yards. But that's going to wrap up today's episode of the Run the Table podcast powered by Pro Football Network. If you enjoyed today's episode of the show, feel free to leave a rating, whether it's on iHeart, Google, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcast at. Also, you can stay up to date around the league with all the latest news by heading over to ProBowlNetwork.com, where you can find all the analysis covering not only fantasy football and betting, but breaking news around the league, college football, and the NFL draft. Remember to get involved with the PFN community by checking out the PFN Pass, which gets you direct access to the Discord and unlocks exclusive content from PFN Productions, weekly giveaways, weekly AMAs with the PFN staff, including lineups and waiver wire advice, plus that Sunday morning start set and even more betting coverage to help you fill up that bankroll during the week. It's also never too early to start your mock drafts for the 2023 season by using the PFN MDS, which you can find over at ProFootballNetwork.com forward slash mock draft. You can follow Ian over on Twitter at NFL Film Study and myself at Tommy Garrett PFN. Good luck this weekend, and we will see you guys on Monday as we take a look on Monday for head up on Monday Night Football.